right, well, at least there's football. The Buffalo Bills open up the 2018 regular season and fans kind of probably wanted it to feel like it was still preseason. The Bills dropped their initial game, a 47-3 road loss to the Baltimore Ravens, who, which, by the way, still not that good, uh, no matter what the score was today. But the Bills go into the 2018 season with a whimper. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic here on the Bills Beat Podcast. And thank you all for listening to us on this initial post-game edition of uh, of The Bills Beat, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, or on Stitcher. Man, oh man. I mean, I, I don't like to go to the, the Anchorman well too, lo- too often, Matthew, but... Yeah, that escalated quickly. And I don't know that there's a better way to kind of say it. It it, it did not go well for them. That was a good old-fashioned curb stomping. Oof. I think... Man, history X, what up? Tyler Dunn put it well when he said the Bills would probably like that option on Madden where you can simulate to the 2019 season. (laughs) I mean... Some fans were probably thinking the same thing as they watched all across the board. I don't even know where you begin, but I think what I kept coming back to was, look, we know they're eating a lot of dead money, and as a result, you sacrifice a lot of talent being on the field. But I think what I kept coming back to throughout the game was just, I mean, look at all the penalties. Over 100 yards in penalty yards. Mm-hmm. Some of the mistakes that they made. You know, Calvin Benjamin, one catch on seven targets. A couple of ugly drops. Sure, the weather wasn't good, but the, it didn't stop the Ravens from putting up 47 points. The offensive line wasn't great, but you know it's a, a bad day for the Bills when the offensive line wasn't their biggest problem. I think... What stuck out to me was that this defense that they put a lot of money into and that Sean McDermott, you know, that's his background, got off to such a slow start when they needed them badly. Mm -hmm. You can't win a game. I mean, even if you say, well, they settled down, they really only allowed the three long touchdown drives, 21 points allowed isn't going to win you a ton of ball games with the offense that they have. And this defense is supposed to be a lot better than it was today. Obviously, the offense is the bigger problem by far. And the defense settled in nicely, had some nice moments. But between the the discipline with the penalties, the mistakes on defense against Joe Flacco, who you mentioned, is not all that great. Right. And the Bills have not lost this badly since they lost by 40-something points maybe it was 37 points, to the 2007 New England Patriots. Mm. 2007 New England Patriots, these Ravens are not. No. That that was Tom Brady and Randy Moss lighting the league on fire. I believe that was a Sunday night game. And breaking records in the process. Mm -hmm. Joe Flacco will not be breaking the touchdown record. I, I can safely say that. I don't think Willie Sneed will be going after Randy Moss's receiving touchdowns record. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
So that's maybe the biggest disappointment. But just the way that they got, they weren't prepared at all. And I think they got outcoached badly. Uh, particularly, I thought, you know, Brian Dable didn't have a very great plan on offense. And then I, I just think the team wasn't prepared to play. And they really have a lot to be embarrassed about. Yeah, and it doesn't get any easier from here because when you have the Ravens, which effectively in the first month of the season, if there was a gimme, this is it. Because up next they've got the L.A. Chargers, and even if they don't have Joey Bosa in that game because he's dealing with an injury right now, even if they don't have him, they still have – a rip-roaring defense, and they still have Philip Rivers as their quarterback, and Melvin Gordon as their running back, and and Keenan Allen going to be doing his Keenan Allen things. Then after that, you've got the Vikings and the Packers back to back, and the Vikings on the road had a day today against Jimmy Garoppolo, of course Kyle they Shanahan, did. and the 49ers on the, defense. The Vikings defense is great, so I think that's the the biggest thing. I, I think it's so hard to tell in Week One. You know, are the Ravens actually good? This defense did lead the league in interceptions last year and was top five in quarterback pressures. I mean, it's a good defense, but, and they could be a lot better this year, but they didn't make the playoffs a year ago. The offense didn't do much to scare you, but yet I just think some of the penalties just make you wonder, you know, some really dumb penalties that cost them. And then late in the game, you have Deion Dawkins throwing a guy to the ground Sure, well, he's getting, you know, but it was a retaliation penalty. And mm-hmm. one of those that, you know, Sean McDermott always talks about not beating themselves and, you know, playing disciplined and the culture and everything else. And that all went to shit today, quite frankly, because it losses like this make you wonder how they get through this season and, and kind of survive and keep all that intact. Because last year they did take take it on the chin to the Saints. And they took it on the chin a few times in the middle of the season. And they managed to rebound a little bit. But they don't have Eric Wood, Richie Incognito, mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor. A lot of these leaders, even guys like Preston Brown, guys that were kind of the leaders of the room that helped keep things together. And now it's going to be on the guys who are left – Kyle Williams, Lorenzo Alexander, you know, guys, Micah Hyde, guys like that, to pull this thing together and make sure it doesn't get out of control. But to start the season like that and to have not a whole lot of hope that it's going to go the other way anytime soon, at least the way they came out last year, the defense looked legit, and today it did not. No, it didn't. And I think the most disconcerting part about the defensive effort was how the the big – ticket items that they brought in for the defensive line didn't do a whole lot. I mean, Star Latulule looked like he was not winning his one-on-one battles consistently enough for my liking. Um, Trent Murphy was still kind of hampered down by that groin injury. Harrison Phillips looked like he was getting close to make plays. Jerry Hughes, who has been there, looked like he should have had a sack, but then didn't get it. And there were other plays where it looked like he got pressure, but there was no one else along the defensive line that got pressure additionally to help bring down the quarterback, and they end up passing it for a big gain. And then it's just, that's a maddening part. And then you have to think about this as well. Philip Gaines is 
a known liability for his time in Kansas City. You know what you're getting out of a journeyman cornerback like that who they signed to a very low-yielding free agent contract. And for him to not, not only being the starter, but being so entrenched as the starter that they make Vontae Davis inactive probably because they want to save the 47 grand for him being active on game days just to just to save some cash yeah i'm not really that's a, that was an interesting but to not thing. have him out there and to only go with four cornerbacks and then get to a point where your nickel corner gets hurt and you can't put Philip Gaines over at nickel corner, so that way you put your safety out there right, at Raphael at, Bush at nickel, nickel corner, corner, who is who is supposed to be their big nickel against tight ends, not against speedy little receivers, and he ends up getting burned for a touchdown, and you get you reap what you sow at, in that in that point. So the Bills, and we're going to get to the quarterbacks and the offense. Don't get me wrong, but the defense does not deserve the benefit of the doubt here. They pitched and got rocked by the Ravens, by Flacco. And when's the last time Flacco rocked somebody? Alex they did Collins? Win 40 to nothing against the Dolphins last year. What I was reminded ever? when when one of the was Ravens that the players, game? It was a Thursday night game. Mm. When one of the Ravens players was asked like, "Can you remember a dominant performance like this?" and he's like, "Well, last year against the Dolphins, but <laughs> uh, so it goes to show you that a team can just smack a team around. And they still miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the cornerback situation is weird because Vontae Davis, when I talked to him this week, met, brought up his injury and the fact that he was still getting his body right and he finally feels like he's back to where he needs to be. But you you can't really brush that off as a injury thing because he wasn't on the injury report. Right. If, so either if he was injured, you put either him Either you're the violating report. league rules right. by putting him on – not putting him on the injury report when he's injured. Or you're being somewhat foolish because you let the deadline pass where now he's a vested veteran and his salary is guaranteed. So to me, I don't know what they're doing there. Mm-mm. I don't, you know, the, the signing was a low-risk move, not a ton of money, but the riskier move was relying on that to be enough mm-hmm. and say... Yeah, sure, they signed Philip Gaines as well, but as you mentioned, not exactly – it wasn't plan A to have him on the boundary. Someone literally sent me a picture of him playing in Kansas City where he's, like, playing the boundary and, and looking into the backfield and the ball is over his head and Demarius Thomas is basically catching the ball. <laughs> it's it's actually alarming how <laughs> how stark that, that bad beat is. But, yeah, that, and that it, was that's the, what you get. that was the backup plan to Vontae Davis, a 30-year-old corner coming off a major groin injury. And so to not have him on the field but also not cut him, it makes you wonder what the plan is for him. And if he's not feeling right, he should be on the injury report. If he's not, then I don't know what sort of game they're trying to play. Mm-hmm. Either way, the four cornerbacks active in the year 2018 is a little bit ridiculous. And it's one of a handful of things that you can get on Sean McDermott for about this game. And I think... It's something they did a lot last year. Exactly. And it got them in trouble in games last year, too. And I don't know why they continue to do that in a league where teams are always spreading 
the ball out, throwing it a lot, having only four bodies at that position, I think, is foolish, especially when you make Robert Foster active to play what? He doesn't really play special teams. He played... um... He got out there on a handful of offensive snaps. He did play some offense, but he, he what role does he serve? He was only right. playing in the second half when right. Josh Allen was out there, and he did come down with a catch that he probably should have. I so, guess I guess their their way of thinking about it is Robert Foster can provide something to the offense, and Vontae Davis doesn't provide anything on special teams. But that even still, that's still short sighted because Robert Foster doesn't give you much on special teams either. So it's like sure, what the I mean, hell are you it's doing? it's just an odd game day decision to make and between that and the penalties and the lack of preparation seemingly for a lot of different things the Ravens threw at them not the best effort again you have to go back to the fact that this team isn't very talented Mm -hmm. and that's what happens when you eat the amount of dead money that they're eating but you also have to realize that help is not on the way and you can point to the $90 million in cap space and the 10 draft picks, but we also have to start evaluating, okay, sure, you're eating $50 million in dead money, but you also have put a lot of resources into that defense. And I think that's why you know some people are probably wondering where however many minutes into this podcast and not railing on the offense yet, We're getting which there. we will. And this game was not the defense's fault per se. But I think the defense deserves a little bit more criticism or just a, a little bit more scrutiny when they've put so much money into mm-hmm. it. The huge contract for Latule, the big contract for Trent Murphy, the third-round pick invested in Harrison Phillips, the first-round pick invested in Tredavious White, the big contracts for Hyden Poyer. Those are all moves by this regime. Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of the defense. Matt Milano is their guy. This defense is theirs. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be better than it was today. It's and supposed to be the thing that helped keep them afloat. And because and we, it was supposed to have gotten better from a year ago right. when it was pretty good. And we all knew that the offense was going to take a major step back. That, that was evident just based on what they did at quarterback. You know, the wide receivers have not improved all that much. The offensive line took a major step back with some losses along, along that starting five. But the defense was supposed to be the thing that people held on to. And they're like, you know what? The offense might not be there, and they might lose a lot of games, but hell. This defense looks like they have some players, and it looks like they're going to be able to help them grow a bit and keep them in games. But they just got their doors blown off. And I think you're absolutely right. They, they deserve criticism. And we are going to get to the offense, and we're going to talk about the offense in totality but and some of the absurdity behind the offense. But the defense, outside of the, the two young linebackers, woof. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds had himself a day. Matt Milano, a great day. Matt Milano, I thought, was really good today as well before, uh, before going back and actually watching the coach's film. Sorry, didn't mean to put anyone through... Uh, there's some shocks there that I actually go back and watch. We, we, we watch the film here on the Bills Beat. And we, okay, dis- Sean. we discuss these things before <laughs> we watch the film. How about that? Um, the safety play probably left some to be desired. The cornerback play. Tredavious, I think, was solid. But Philip Gaines, uh, oh, just choked on my own vomit, I think. It was, it was a tough, tough game. And it was way too slow of a start. They did settle in fine. 
after a couple of bad drives early. And they got some calls that didn't go their way, whatever. But a slow start like that in week one, I mean, yeah, I get the weather wasn't great and everything else, but, you know, everybody talks about week one and how jazzed up guys are. To come out and kind of fall flat on your face, I think, is is an indictment on them. And I would expect them to bounce back and get better. But what we also have to realize is that the offense is not going to be putting them in good situations. After that long drive, the offense just kept going three and out. Mm -hmm. And the defense didn't get a lot of rest. And that obviously hurt them. And that's not going to get, that's not going to get any better. I don't think the offense is magically going to possess the ball Anybody who had visions of this being a ball control offense can throw it out the window because I don't think they're going to be able to run the football against anybody besides bottom feeders because they're not getting the run blocking that they need. And so that means the defense is going to have short fields. That means the defense is going to have, you know, short rest on the sidelines and they're going to be put in tough spots. And it's not to say that they're you know, the reason they lost or anything like that. It's just to say they needed to start better to give the offense any prayer, to give, you know, the Bills any prayer of winning this game. Mm -hmm. And they really didn't. And, you know, on the flip side, how about the the guy who's never punted before in the NFL? Oh, Bull Horquez? He was kicking the crap out of the ball. Well, look. Bohorquez had a couple of moments to regret. I mean, one of them being sure. the, the fumbled snap. That There are some moments where you say, okay, it's pouring rain and yeah. tough break for the kid. Also the one where he basically low-lined it, and it was a huge return for the Ravens, and it put him right on the doorstep of scoring another touchdown. But, you know, let's let's not focus on Mr. Bohorquez too much, even though it's incredibly fun to say, and that was one of the – the nicer moments, I think, for Bills fans. Just being able to say the punter's name. Almost 400 yards of punts for the young man. Wow. his he might 58 ha- long. He might have dead leg. Three inside the 20. A 49.6 average. That is pretty good. Pretty darn good. Get that man a game ball. However, let's, uh, with due respect to Corey Bohorquez, Bohorquez, I should say, let's get into this offense and the mess that is. Because you start by saying it wasn't just the quarterback play. And we're going to get to the quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. But you look, the offensive line, they were not blocking, run blocking well, as you pointed out. And in turn, because they were not blocking for the run well, the Bills were not gaining yards on the ground. And then it was making it quite obvious what the Bills had to do, which was try and pass the ball. They couldn't pass the ball because the Ravens were pinning their ears back. The wide receivers were not getting open. In fact, I'd even like to say by the halfway through the third quarter, I would look at plays and see, I don't know if guys giving up is the right way I want to put it, but... It didn't look like guys were hell-bent on getting open. And that's not a good thing to have for for the first week of the season. I know they were getting blown out, but still, 
having players trying to get out there and make plays for the quarterback, that's and in not having that enough, that is a tough thing to swallow. And then on top of it all, Nathan Peterman. Man, he just I bet he just has like a magic wand and just wishes it was the preseason all the time because when it gets to it being real, and of course the conditions were not ideal, but as we pointed out, Joe Flacco had some pretty good success today. I mean, you can only do that for so long, right? right. Last year it was, oh man, what a tough spot, you know, in L.A. against the Chargers, which sure, it was a tough spot, or oh, you know, unfair that he got thrown in in that snow game, or, you know, the longer you keep doing that, today, sure, it was raining. Joe Flacco didn't have a problem. And you know who does have problems? Quarterbacks who don't have strong arms. Quarterbacks who aren't accurate when they have to put more velocity on the ball. And that's the case with Nathan Peterman. And that was his biggest problem Mm -hmm. during the game. Now, you mentioned some of the issues going on around him. Would it be a stretch? Would I be being too reactionary or would it be too hot of a take to say that Kelvin Benjamin was the worst player on the field for the Bills today? Who? I, I think <laughs> he might have been. He, it was up there. and That's a guy, this is game one of his contract here. He's watching all these receivers swimming in dollar bills from his draft class including Sammy Watkins, who the Bills had and traded away. I just think for a guy like that, the Bills don't have a number one receiver. Because if that's it, then he's not. Mm -hmm. The drop when they hadn't had, they didn't get a first down the whole first half. And they had an easy shot at one. Peterman gave him a chance to make a catch and he hit the ground and the ball popped out. Later, he dropped a touchdown from Josh Allen. There was a play, the probably the one where that makes me say he was one of the worst players on the field was a throw toward the same end zone, the Josh Allen touchdown, or should have been touchdown, was, was in. Peterman made the throw, I believe, and the effort was just, he was practically walking to the ball. Mm-hmm. And... That is the biggest problem. If that guy's going, I mean, he's in his fifth year in the league. On an offense that needs leaders and guys to step up and guys to make plays when things are going wrong, if he catches that pass and they get a first down, maybe it sparks something. Instead, they punt. And I I just think he was bad today. And one catch for 10 yards on seven targets was just and that one catch was just a gimme Mm -hmm. not making plays in contested situations he was just not even close to that's where he is supposed that's what he's supposed to do that's the only thing he's really good at and he got none of them and he had multiple opportunities today and he didn't it was raining and whatever but you know michael crabtree had a couple drops but those guys were catching the football on the other side and no, he's not playing with a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I just thought it was a, a really sorry effort from him and not not a good – I don't think he's going to be here in, in a year. And that probably goes for quite a few guys on you know that offense. The, the sooner they can 
replace some of those guys, the better off they'll be. But Kelvin Benjamin wasn't good enough, and I don't know if it's going to get better. I mean, you saw a brief flash from him in that Panthers preseason game, but otherwise the effort's inconsistent, the hands are inconsistent, and on a day like today, that's just really not good enough. I think the one thing I should say as we're going through this uh, really takedown of what the Bills did today because, well, they deserve it. I think the one thing to just remember is in the NFL, you do have to look at them at one-week capsules. You can sit to your, sit there and say, all right, how is this going to bleed into the next week and what, what might spark them and what trends are going to be tough to change and everything along those lines. And the Bills aren't probably probably are not going to lose by 44 points to the Los Angeles Chargers next week. I mean, they might, they could, but I I would doubt that just based on the way the NFL kind of ebbs and flows and and you get a lot more closer games more often, unless this team is really that bad. But in that same vein, this is just a total letdown for Sean McDermott and what he wanted this team to to be heading into the second season. He wanted to install the program and wanted to install the 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 mindset that this is there is they're working towards something bigger and they're working towards and they have to keep all of the the minutia in mind. They all they have to work on the small stuff every single day and and eventually those results will pay off and man, what a crushing blow to him in trying to make sure that what he established last year is going to continue along this year. Now, they did have some rough losses last year. Over a three-week span, they looked terrible. But that was also piggybacked by saying, hey, early in the year, they were actually winning some games. Right. They were, you had they something were close to and, lean on right. when now, you're in the locker room. Now they don't have that, and that is a concern moving forward. But that said, you have to think that they're going to have some sort of response in Week 2. Now... To Nathan Peterman, to me, he looks scared. And I think back to that article you wrote with what Joey Harrington said, and which was a terrific read. If you haven't yet, go check it out, where it's just this domino effect, where if they don't have the, the people in place to help get you out of those funks, or if those things just stick in your head and you have one turnover and one turnover tur- turns into more pressure inside your head and then you start to press a little bit while you're out, out on the field and you don't interpret things on the field the same way that you would if you were totally comfortable, i.e. in the preseason. And then it leads to more bad throws, more bad decisions, more potential turnovers, and eventually more turnovers. And I think that's what we saw with Nathan Peterman. I thought he probably went in there with a level head then when he got in trouble a couple of times, got sacked, got brought down, held on to the ball a bit too long. As soon as he held on to the ball a bit too long. It was the hesitation it was, that he crushes was, him. He was doomed from that point forward because then he started pressing, and that's when he started to look scared. And, I mean, you almost felt bad for the guy, but at this point, you got to take the training wheels off. You can't expect that a good spring, a solid summer – and a good preseason is going to result in something different than what you have seen. And the Bills have to take a good, hard look at themselves and 
and think whether or not Nathan Peterman is worth the time of day. I, that is reactionary and self-admitted that's reactionary. But he has now started three games, two of which have started similarly to where they got off to just embarrassing level results in the first half. And McDermott wanted to give Nathan Peterman the start of the second half just to see if he could spark anything, give him one last chance. And what did he do? He almost threw a pick on one play, and the next play he threw a pick. And the then, pick then to he, Tony Jefferson. And was, then he had oof. oh no. He had to take him out from that point forward. I thought Tony Jefferson probably could have called a fair catch if he had so much time to get underneath that. I couldn't tell if it slipped on him or if it was just that bad of a throw. And We've seen him on the over the middle pass where he has to put some velocity on it. It sails. Mm-hmm. So again, you can blame the weather and everything else, but Kelvin Benjamin was so wide open. And then Tony Jefferson had so much time to get under that pass. It was insane. The other interception was the same thing, and I talked to Eric Weddle after the game, and they saw what Peterman was trying to do. You know, you mentioned the Joey Harrington comments, and it's like I was reminded, it's like I was talking to him about the Josh Allen situation, but it very well can apply to Nathan Peterman because Mm -hmm. not only that, you know, dynamic of, making a mistake and hesitating and it leading to another mistake and you're losing confidence and you hesitate more and you make more mistakes. Not only that, but that play when Brandon Carr had the interception, there was a something Joey Harrington said to me that it was, I think it was in, in his second year, Rod Woodson was playing for the Raiders. He wasn't great anymore. He was a safety at that point and, you know, on his last legs. But he jumped her out. You know, Harrington knew the coverage, stepped up to the line and was like, knew what he was doing, looked the route off, knew where he was going with the ball, turned and fired it with confidence, and Woodson just walked in front of it and picked it off. Mm-hmm. And he told him after the game, you know, I've been playing in this league for 14 you know, years. I'll be damned if I'm going to let a kid pull that on me. Like, I've, I see that all the time. Mm-hmm. And Eric Weddle, after the game, told me he looked at Brandon Carr before that play because – Peterman called an alert at the line of scrimmage and changed the play. And he, you know, Eric Weddle reenacted it for me, looked at Brandon Carr with a smirk and said, if Peterman, you know, they knew if Peterman threw the slant, Brandon was going to jump it and pick it off. And what did he do? He did it and stared down his guy and Brandon picked it off. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's barely passable as an NFL quarterback. And it, it, I think leads to a bigger picture discussion because he won the quarterback competition there's no revisionist history to say see i told you they should have started josh allen because peterman won the competition the way it was set up and everything else and i still don't know if josh allen is ready to go in but now they are in an awful spot because they're trying to be patient with josh allen which they probably should be but Nathan Peterman is not good enough to keep Josh Allen off the field. And that's a problem because the offense isn't really ready to have Josh Allen in. Mm -hmm. The offensive line isn't good. And one of the habits that Josh Allen has that is really bad and he needs to break is thinking he can scramble away from everything and wanting to do that very quickly. And he did it a few times and it led to sacks. That's not how you're supposed to handle pressure. And 
it may have worked at Wyoming. He may have escaped some situations in the Mountain West. Not going to work in the NFL. And behind this offensive line, I don't know that he's going to learn that. With these receivers who aren't getting open, I don't know if he's going to build the confidence and the good habits. But you can't shelter him either because he probably gives you the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because he was in there in, in mop-up duty, but I think it speaks to a big-picture organizational gaffe and too much confidence in Nathan Peterman going into the offseason. Right. Sure, it, they brought in A.J. McCarron on a cheap deal. A.J. McCarron, I don't think, would have been much better. The point being, look around at what some of these other teams did. The, the Jets went out and got Sam Darnold. And they got McCown. They brought back McCown and got Teddy Bridgewater. Only when Darnold beat out Bridgewater did they trade him. The Browns stuck with, you know, went and got Tyrod Taylor, who we don't need to get into a Tyrod Taylor argument, but I think we can all agree he would be a better option than Nathan Peterman. And so you look around, and it's not like there were tons of available options to, to steady the ship or whatever, but the Cardinals have Sam Bradford, who can hold down the fort for a little while. I just don't think Peterman can do it. And you're going to keep getting embarrassed, and he's going to keep getting embarrassed, and then he's not even a competent backup for you. Like They might need to go out and look to see what's out there because we've said it before, once you put Josh Allen in, that's it. He's Mm -hmm. in. You're not going to play the game of putting him in and taking him out. And you know, I don't think Peterman necessarily lost his job. I don't know what they're going to do next week, but it's a bad situation well let's table that right now because i want to get into what they do next week because that's that's going to be the talking point for fans as we kind of go forward here first before we do that let's get into what we're working on and uh, i'm sure we could probably guess what the two of us are working on after this game how about first at the athletic yeah, at theathletic.com, you know, you brought up the the Joey Harrington stuff, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but all that, Joey Harrington, Steve Mariucci, Rich Gannon, Kevin Gilbride, the old Giants and Bills offensive coordinator, I talked to all those guys about when it's time to put a rookie quarterback in, how you know a guy's ready, the, the pros and cons of playing a guy early or letting him sit, still pretty pertinent to what's going on right now and the big decision the Bills have to make in the coming days. And they all kind of agreed in some ways uh, on some things, but most of them, the conclusion was, you know, the Bills are probably right to be patient. And I thought, you know, if you go back and read that, Kevin Gilbride's comments on, you know, having to throw the guy in there, you know, because the Giants had to throw Eli Manning in there, uh, you know, about halfway into his rookie year. And the, the comment he made that I liked was, you know, you do need to, because, I, you know, the sink or swim philosophy is out there. Just throw Josh Allen in and let him take his lumps, and if he can't handle it, he wasn't built to be a franchise quarterback anyways. Kevin Gilbride's retort was, well, you at least need to teach him how to doggy paddle first. He needs to know how to get back to the edge of the pool. And so he does need some tools before you throw him in. And I, just, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff that those guys said. You can find that at The Athletic. Still can get a 40% off subscription. Uh, by going to theathletic.com slash billsbeat. Tim Graham was here in Baltimore with me. We've both got stories coming from this game. As I mentioned, I was bumming around the Ravens locker room a little bit before I was in the Bills locker room. So some interesting comments from that side. And uh, Tim has uh, had a few interesting conversations in the locker room as well. So we'll have 
plenty of coverage from this game and obviously going forward. So you can go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat, get you 40% off a year subscription if you would like to read a year's worth of stuff about this mess. <laughs> but the save, we, there's also, also the savers, so there's other stuff. Right, but. right, right. <laughs> And uh, over at WKBW.com, you'll be able to find my observations from this game in totality and written form. And those will be posted by the end of the evening here on Sunday. And, of course, we'll be, uh, we'll be discussing uh, what uh, Sean McDermott says after the fact tomorrow when he meets with the media. What is it, 4 o'clock? 4 o'clock. He meets at 4 o'clock. And then the coordinators after. I thought to myself. What the hell are the coordinators going to say after this game? I mean, what, what can you say? This all this all falls on Sean McDermott. Anyway, that leads us to pick up the discussion we just had. And that is about what to do in week two. Odds are the Bills are going to name their quarterback by Wednesday at the latest. Quite possibly tomorrow. Just so... He gets it. He gets it over with, and he doesn't have to have that hanging over his head heading into the practice week. But you have the case of Nathan Peterman, and this is now a second example of him looking like the moment was too big for him. And this is after a full off season and preseason of preparation. Now it wasn't just him getting thrown into the fire like it was in 2017 against the LA Chargers where it was McDermott on a whim saying you know what we we're constantly looking for ways to help our team uh make our team better and he just threw him out there basically threw him to the wolves and it the results were ridiculously bad but and you weren't you wouldn't expect that from an NFL quarterback but all the same you couldn't really expect it to be too good. It was kind of a setup to fail situation. This time around, no excuses. He had all the time in the world through the offseason. He worked countless hours. I remember I went and did a story on this on this uh, guy who's a West Seneca native, and he was trying to make it to the NFL, had a ridiculous uh, vertical and, and broad jump, and he ended up... Kind of like me. Yes, kind of like you. Andy Smigera was his name. But he would work out down at Salem Sports Park in Elma. And he was part of a workout group. And this was like February slash March range. He was part of a workout group that was there every single day, running routes, running defensive drills, doing everything. And the quarterback that they had there that day, Nathan Peterman. It was not just a, hey, when these voluntary workouts started up, that's when he started things. It was an all-off-season thing. He went and tried to go to a, a specialist in the off-season to try and help increase arm strength and in, improve his mechanics, everything along those lines. In in the summer, he he dived hard into Brian Dable's playbook, showed the best command of it in training camp and in the preseason, and it ended up winning him the, the starting was, job. He was there helping Dable unpack his office, right. set up his office, which was a bit of an exaggeration, but point being, he was there sure. to, to be there as early as possible. These are all things that led into the, the factor of him winning the job. However, with all that preparation, with all that time, he comes out here in Baltimore and does that. Now, the team around him was not exactly awe-inspiring. 
So it brings us to the discussion because, you know, I'm going to take what Josh Allen did on the field. I don't know that I could put all that much weight into it because, I mean, while it wasn't good to see him holding on to the ball, taking sacks, and trying to evade pressure the way that he was, but that was the time of the game where I saw receivers just like not, uh, not adjusting after their initial route, and that was disconcerting. I saw them get covered up, and there was a few times that Josh Allen had nowhere to throw. There was also times where Josh Allen made pretty good throws, and it led you to believe that he could help the offense at least a little bit. But the Ravens were also playing some some second stringers. The Ravens were also uh, they were also playing a prevent defense at that point. They just wanted to get through the rest of the game and go without any injuries. So for them, it's like, how much stock can you really put into that performance with Josh Allen? So to me, it boils down to what would Sean McDermott do? And if he... I honestly believe that McDermott has the stones to go out there on Monday and say, Nathan Peterman's going to be our starting quarterback in week two. And there was a little bit of evidence of that after his press conference had ended. We do a weekly one-on-one thing after, uh, after that's over. So I asked him, what factors go into a decision when you have... Nathan Peterman, who you named the starter, and a top 10 pick backing him up. And he said, you have to look at the factors around the quarterback, not just the quarterback position. So to me, that could lead us to the point where the wide receivers kind of stunk up the joint. The offensive line was not that good. There's not a really big running game. And until all of that kind of gets figured out, would the Bills just be setting themselves up for failure in the long term by keeping, by putting Josh Allen out there in week two just because Peterman looked like trash? Right, and I think it's fair to say Sean McDermott has a sizable blind spot when it comes to Nathan Peterman. Yeah. He's willing to let some stuff slide. He's willing to make excuses. He saw something in Nathan Peterman that led him to believe he was ready last year heading into that Chargers game, and he went out and soiled himself for two quarters before before you know merc- mercifully being pulled from the game so I don't know exactly what's going to go into his line of thinking it's going to be hard to be patient but like I said they've put themselves in a situation where they don't have too many options their options are Nathan Peterman who continues to give you no reason to think he belongs as an NFL starting quarterback and the alternative is going to Josh Allen when it's probably too soon to do it. And that goes back to them probably misplaying their hand at the quarterback position this offseason. I mean, when you look at the fact that they left themselves with options of starting a rookie quarterback who is raw and needed some time to develop, or starting either Nathan Peterman or A.J. McCarron, two guys who are barely backups, there were other options out there. But they poured all their money into Star Latulale and Trent Murphy and other guys, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, so that they could go watch the Ravens hang forty-seven on them. Vontae Davis. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Vontae Davis making five million dollars to wear a rain jacket on the sidelines. Good work if you can get it. So I just don't understand what the plan was. And you can sit there and say, well, you know, all these other veteran quarterbacks that got signed 
aren't any good either, but I don't know, there was an old friend of the Bills chucking the Duke around in Florida today. Do you bring it up, Fitz? Or were they in New Orleans? They were somewhere. They were in New Orleans. And the old bearded friend of the Bills had quite quite a game. There were other veterans out there that could hold down the fort and give you more time. And oh, by the way, we talk about him quite a bit, but Patrick Mahomes has four touchdowns right now. Yeah. So Hucking the Duke. He is he's having a day against the Chargers defense that made Nathan Peterman look like a Pop Warner quarterback. So you have to start wondering. Uh, and now the Bills have put themselves in a really bad spot. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know that there's a right answer. I'm not going to sit here and say they need to put Josh Allen in, but it's going to get to the point where that's your only option. And they're lucky Nathan Peterman didn't get hurt today mm-hmm. uh, to force their hand. I mean, that could happen too. And when he does, who who's there? There's no third quarterback. There's no veteran that knows this offense. I don't know. I mean... It's not not a good spot, and I think that is probably the bigger concern. Sure, they lost 47-3. to That was ridiculous. That was really bad. But the future, you have to, you know, you can't just assume 2019 is going to be so much better because developing a quarterback is very sensitive business, and timing is important, and everything, the support system has to be there. And when you don't know, you, you certainly can't trust the offensive line. You can't trust the wide receivers. You don't know much about the coordinator to be able to say he can for sure develop this guy. Mm-hmm. You have a guy coaching quarterbacks who hasn't really coached the position in many, many years. I don't know. I, I think you it's fair to wonder what the plan is and how it's going to be implemented and be a little bit nervous when you see a result like that on the field. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I think I would... If you held me to it, I think I would probably just say, you know what, screw it. Put the rookie in there and, and let's see what That's happens. probably Be- what I would say, too, and it, it, would, it, it doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. Because, uh, But the alternative is Peterman, and he's shown in 67%, round it up, of his starts that he just – there's there's not a lot to work with there. And that's – inherently frustrating for the Bills because they thought as though maybe there could be something they could work with there. And now their hand might be forced to the point where, look, this is uh, this is not going to be easy on them. I also want to chuck this into the equation. Sean McDermott, over the course of the past year or so, has been very hesitant to make rash changes. In his starting lineups. Unless it's um, for the boy wonder. However, however that, that, took a while. that was after, what, eight weeks or so? It was Oh, I'm sorry, nine games because they were five and four at the time. It was also after three state or two straight games where they were just awful. Awful. And that's what led him to that spot. It was November. It wasn't as though it was like, oh, week one, throw Peterman in there, Tyrod isn't performing even though that Panthers game wasn't great. It was over the course of time. When they replaced John Miller with Vlad Dukas, John Miller was terrible in the first game. They didn't replace him until week five. When you look at Sharice Wright, who was out there in in spots last year, they didn't replace him until right at the end of the preseason, or right in the beginning of the regular season. They kept fooling themselves that maybe they had something there. This is, I don't know. There's just something about this spot to where I think to myself, 
the Bills aren't going to have their hand forced, or they don't want to feel like they have their hand forced. Well, then you're, that, you're admitting you're wrong. Well, that yeah, exactly. And that's why I think if you had to ask me right now what Peterman's going to do or what McDermott's going to do. One and the same. You could. <laughs> True. I think they might be distant relatives or something. <laughs> if you had to ask me what McDermott was going to do at this point, I think my gut's probably saying he's going to start Peterman in week two. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm not going to be surprised yeah. if that's what they do. Somebody asked me coming into this game, you know, what would it take for Josh Allen to be the starter in Week Two heading into Los Angeles or heading into the Chargers game? And I said, uh, you know, it would probably take something close to what Peterman did last year against the Chargers. I think it would really take a disastrous game for them to turn to him. Well, we kind of got it, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I don't know. It can't get a lot worse than what we saw from Peterman today. Mm-hmm. Pretty helpless. Not a lot going on around him, but he wasn't elevating anybody either. And it might be time to just look. Remember the Texans last year? Went into the season with Tom Savage as the starter mm-hmm. under the idea that they were going to have Deshaun Watson sit and wait and it took all of a half for them to pull Tom Savage out and then they threw Deshaun Watson in that that went okay would you say yes but Deshaun Watson by the way who the Bills passed on Sean McDermott has an affinity for Nathan Peterman that I don't know Bill O'Brien had for Tom Savage I'm not sure anybody has the affinity for Tom Savage that Sean McDermott does for Nathan Peterman there aren't per, men- perhaps Tom Savage's wife. <laughs> Come on! You've seen the way Sean lights up when he talks about <laughs> Nathan Peterman. Point well, being, they could alter the course of their season if the defense. Again, it's one game. I mean, if the defense figures it out and Josh Allen can make the offense show a little bit of life. Not saying you're going to throw him in and he's going to be Deshaun Watson, but that has to be in the back of your mind that. Being decisive in the NFL is important. Obviously, making rash decisions can be, you know, a bit of a problem. But I think acting with conviction, there's something to be said for that, too. Right. And it ha- it has to be the right move, and you have to be confident in what's going on around. But, hey, it's a home game. The Chargers just let Patrick Mahomes throw four touchdowns. Uh, I'm not watching the game, but, I mean— it's not like that defense, you know, without Joey Bosa, maybe they are beatable and you're playing at home. Maybe it's not the worst spot to throw the kid in. And, and when is the good – here's the problem. When is the good spot? Because you haven't exactly picked a quarterback and put him in a situation where the offense is in place, the offensive line is good, the receivers are good. This is what you're – nothing's changing between now and November when maybe you feel a little bit better other than the fact that maybe by November the games aren't going to matter because right. – You've already got your doors blown in I, I think, for I think, two months. I think but. that's probably the reason. The, the, their ideal, maybe. But just going back to what you said, the reason why I don't think Sean would be rash to make a, a decision and say, Josh is going to start next week. The reason that keeps holding me back to say, hey, Peterman might be the guy next week is because his feet aren't to the fire right now with ownership. They're playing with found money. 
They're, the Pagulas love Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They did everything in the offseason they said they were going to do, and more. They probably told the owners, we're going to take a step back, but it's for the greater good of everything that we're trying to work to, sustain success, not just limping into the playoffs with a, with a random uh, win from the Bengals over the Ravens on a last-second play. We're, we're building towards something greater than that. We're building towards championships. And until McDermott really has his feet to the fire, I don't think we're going to see him make these ridiculous changes on a whim. All in all, he is conservative. And he is someone that preaches to them not getting too high or low from one outcome, from one game. That's even something he said he preached to his to his team. He wants to learn from the game, but he also doesn't want it to set in to say, this is what we're always going to be. And for that reason, Peterman might just be the starter next week. I I think I'm convincing myself more and more of it as I'm talking, but even though I would probably put Josh Allen in there, this is McDermott we're talking about, and I don't know that he would proclaim Allen as the guy. I'm not sure much enough has changed right. from when they named Nathan. Right. Why have the quarterback competition if after one game you're just going right. to rip the title exactly. off the guy? Why say all those things about him and and t- you know use all those reps just to you know turn to the other guy and after may- a week? And maybe in his mind he thinks to himself, and this is McDermott I'm talking about, maybe in his mind he thinks to himself, look, I made this decision. It was a huge decision. We traded away another quarterback. I'm going to stand by this decision until I have enough evidence to say that it's not going to work. Even though people would say, look, the evidence is there. Look at the Chargers game last year. Look at this Ravens game. It's not there for Nathan Peterman. Even if people will say that, I don't feel like he feels that pressure to where he has to make that change. And... Until he feels it, until he totally believes that starting Josh Allen is the right thing to do, I don't know that there's the motivation there. And there is the the argument to be made about whether or not he's going to lose the locker room by have, having Peterman trot out there for a second straight week. But I think they all, as players, they would also want to think to themselves, hey, I'm not one bad game away from losing my job. And the coach has faith in us, and he, he puts us out there for a reason, which is why I think he's conservative by nature with those with those changes. So it, we might find out on Monday. We could find out on Wednesday as to who the starting quarterback is going to be. But Sean McDermott has a weighty decision coming up heading into their home game against the Los Angeles Chargers. All right. But first, he needs to watch the film. He, yes. The Dre Archer Award. I don't think we need to watch the film to uh, give it to this Bills player. We talked about it before the episode. We are in total agreement on the count of three. I'm going to pull an audible on you here. Are you I know who you're going with. Kidding but I'd me? like to mix it up. I've already Well, there can, um, there I've already can, put, the, put him in the ground. There can be only one. I disagree. How dare you? But you go ahead. You take the floor for it's, your choice. It's Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, he gave up on plays. Hard to, hard to disagree. I'm going to give you another name, though, because we've piled on Calvin Benjamin, and there's plenty to go around here. Pile on. Charles Clay. Mm. 
didn't catch a pass. Did he get targeted? Was targeted twice. Mm. And in the spirit of the Dre Archer Award, where you forget a guy's out there and that he plays mm. for the Bills, that was Charles Clay today. Kelvin Benjamin, you knew he was there because he was screwing up. Mm-hmm. He was a bit invisible and a non-factor and a zero. But Charles Clay was a, a true ghost out there, mm-hmm. not making any plays. And I thought he was he was brutal. And those guys are supposed to be the two weapons. And, yeah. All right. So Charles Clay slash Kelvin Benjamin gets the Dree Archer Award for the player that doesn't show up. Now, the first two entrants into the Come On Darlene bracket. I'll let you go first. And, hey, do me a favor. Only say one so you don't steal all the good ones. Fair. All right. I'm going to, I mean... I'm going to go away from the field in the interest of the bracket. I feel like you got to get a little creative with these things. Sure. I can't pick Sean McDermott every week, and he certainly would deserve it this week. Are you going to pick Blaine Gabbert? I could pick Blaine Gabbert. Did it for you. <laughs> I could, which, by the way, Blaine Gabbert is mentioned in that Joey Harrington story. Not by me, either. Well, uh, you, you made sure to put it in there. I, this, is, this is a guy who said he had 10,000 words of quotes and he just so happened to put the one about Blaine Gabbert in, in the article, in the finished product. I'm pretty sure Blaine Gabbert got in the game. Yeah, he's he's in right now. Yeah, he was in. He's in. He's in. They just benched Marcus Mariota for, for uh, Blaine Gabbert. Mariota got hurt. He threw INTs in back-to-back passes. 25 seconds ago, Blaine Gabbert at QB. Mariota, elbow injury. All right. Anyway, who's your come on, Darlene? I'm giving the come on, Darlene, to the guy that whipped his man boobs out and was dancing around moobs? the upper deck. <laughs> moobs? Little moob action? At first he was just dancing, sort of a wannabe Fireman Ed type character for, uh, is that was that the guy's name in New York? Yeah. Fireman Ed? Yeah. It seemed like what that guy was after. Um, they kept putting him on the Jumbotron and then he took his shirt off. And I think, look, we all had to watch a drubbing, a 47 to three beat down. I, I just don't think we deserved to see that today. <laughs> on this rainy day, I just, I could have done without it. And so come on, Darlene, to the move man. Ma- upper deck man boob man. Mm, upper deck man boob man. That's going to be the title in the bracket. My come on, Darlene, I, unlike you, can give it to Sean McDermott. And this is something of his that is making the rounds. On Twitter at the moment. Sean McDermott, about Nathan Peterman's performance, said he needs to look at the tape to get a true assessment about what Nathan Peterman did. Now, I get that there's other factors at play here with what happened, but you can go up there and say, look, we had a lot of faith in Nathan come in. We still have a lot of faith in him. He just didn't have it today. That's perfectly acceptable to say. When you go up there and, and insult fans' intelligence by look by saying, I got to look at the tape to uh, to really tell how I feel about Nathan's day. I mean, even if that's the case, even if it should be the case, that's somewhat insulting to fans. And there's a, there's a, a reason behind everything that he does, and... Think about this. This look at the tape so, crutch has been so quite So think prevalent. about the, the look at the tape thing. After a game, he can sit there and say, I need to look at the tape, and that absolves him essentially of answering almost anything. 
if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Then he doesn't talk until 4 o'clock on Monday. And you and I both know kind of how these the ebbs and flows of interest go. Usually by about 4 o'clock Monday, maybe a little later, maybe you'd say Tuesday morning, not that many people are interested in kind of rehashing Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so kind of by Monday at 4 o'clock, he might be able to use one of his other favorite crutches, which is we're just going to move on to the next game. Mm. In which case, sure, do that all you want. But not that many people need to look at the tape to see what Nathan Peterman was today, to see what the offense was today, to see what the defense was today. You lost 47-3. to three. Mm-hmm. But you, you go on and get you some of that tape. Yeah. So Sean McDermott... Got to look at the tape to see how Nathan Peterman did, did after getting benched for throwing multiple interceptions and losing 47-3 to to the Baltimore Ravens. The that- tape will just be Upper Deck Man Boob Man dancing around <laughs> for three hours. How bad. That's what the All-22 will be of this game. If it is, and I go back and watch that, I'm going to be horrified. I, I wish he was on TV because then... We could have had a GIF, and that would have been basically the perfect encapsulation of this game. It was well, just a, a you know, Ravens fan, overweight, topless, shaking his man boobs around. Well, That's basically what the Ravens did to the, the Bills today. Well, Bills' fourth-string quarterback, Mike Rodak, uh, actually took a picture of it. So if you go on his timeline, you can see the the move man in action. Well, maybe not in action, but you can see him on the, on the Jumbotron there. All right, so we've got our first two into the come on Darlene bracket and I think it's only fair we could talk about this too I think it's only fair to just draw these at random at the end of the year and then really vote on them because sometimes there's going to be some seeding issues sometimes there's or maybe we like put them in in uh, pots which is what uh, UEFA does with the Champions League and say all right these these are the tier one yeah tier one tier two tier three tier four guys and then you draw them at random to see who goes where I think that's what that was what we'll do. We could even churn out a show with trying to tier these. Look at us just churning out content left and right. Look at us go here on the Bills beat. Okay. We have to go. Matthew has a plane to catch. I have some observations to write. But thank you Sean all. Sean has some tape to watch. Sean has some tape to watch. Nathan has some things to think about. An upper deck man boob man needs to find a shirt. <laughs> for all of us. And for specifically Matthew Fairburn. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening to this uh, episode after the Bills drubbing at the hands of uh, the Baltimore Ravens by a score 47-3. to three. Curb stomping, if you will. Yeah, whichever uh, whichever way you want to put it. I'm sure there's, there's multiple ways to put it. I'm sure there will be a lot more ex- expletives involved as well. So, the next time we will talk to you is on Thursday of the coming week in preparation for the the Bills game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Their, uh, their first home game of the year and their only home game of September. Yeah, it doesn't get too much easier. All right, so we will talk to you then. My name is Joe Piscali for Matthew Fairburn. We will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>